On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we will be responding to the various pieces of feedback and criticisms that we got on Twitter, and I will try my best to talk into the mic and to not type. I definitely didn't type that much this episode, so at least give me that. We'll be doing our normal trip around college. We spent a bunch of time talking about the game decisions that were made in the Penn State-Ohio State game, and then we do our picks. And then we talk a little bit about some reactions and some things that the Action Network did and some other pieces of feedback that we received on Twitter and try to, again, respond to that. And then we move on to the NFL, talk about whether the Rams are a historically great team or just a great team, and also, again, give our picks for this week and try to follow up on our wonderful touting that we've done so far. As always, the Bet the Process podcast Podcast is brought to you by the Action Network app, which is an app that is wonderful for tracking all of your betting uh, results and to look at line moves, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We won't talk about the actual content, but we'll talk about the functional aspects of the app. And so, with that, let's start the process. Welcome to episode six, season two of Bet the Process. This is the new improved Bet the Process podcast where Rufus and I got some real feedback on Twitter. Uh, I think the most tangible things are that my mic sucks. Our technical difficulties are real. And it's very mixed on whether people like the bickering that we do. And it's also a little mixed on the nerdiness, although I think that it's pretty clear that people who listen to us like the nerdiness. So I think the nerdiness should continue. What do you think, Rufus? I think so, too. And I think it's clear that we might have to revise our estimate of the number of people that watch the listen to the podcast. Nobody watches it yet. It'd be even more boring. <laughs> I bet a lot but of people I, I watch say, it. I, I would say maybe 15 to 17 people listen. Yeah. And they all responded on Twitter, which is good. And that I guess the friends care respond a lot. Too. Uh, I don't really, I don't really care. Like we've always said that we just want to provide good content that's useful to people. We never were indexing on entertainment because we know that like back in the day when we were trying to do the ESPN stuff, like that's what they wanted was the entertainment value. And I think both of us struggled with that because you can't necessarily just be entertaining when you're trying to give people value on with analytics. So it is definitely a challenge. It's a challenge that we're trying to undertake. And we definitely appreciate the feedback that people have given us about what's good and what's bad. And I'm trying so hard not to move my mouth away from the mic because I think when I talk, I must do that. <laughs> yeah, so. I think it was, it was it was great feedback. I do think one thing that I could stand to improve on is actually giving a little bit more of an explanation for my picks. But that's something that I definitely struggled with at ESPN just because it's something that I don't normally do because my the computer spits out a number and I'm like, okay, this is a bet or this isn't a bet. And so it actually involves additional work and I'm lazy. Well, that's, what's interesting. Actually, if you think about like the machine learning world versus like the analytics world in the analytics world, you often know what factors are in your model and you can kind of like talk about them from a narrative standpoint. 
but in like the black box machine learning sort of way when you don't really necessarily know it's different right it's much harder to get it to get so it will take you time right you could actually look and see which of the factors in your model are driving value on games but that definitely will take a lot of extra work yeah but i would say my model like i don't actually use any machine learning i think that surprised some people but my models are all sort of based in some sort of theory or some sort of approach based on an understanding of the sport and but it is a mathematical model i do use linear nonlinear regression logistic regression etc cetera, etc cetera. jeff i said etc this is a first for the podcast that's kind of i think i kind of have the like i have the rights to use etc and you don't okay i'll give i'll give you that Especially since you gave me shit about using the word, et cetera. So is that a word? It's definitely a word, right? I think you just use it in a way that it isn't meant to be used. <laughs> I, use it as, I use it as filler. I use it as the same way that people would say um a lot. It is better than um or it's like kind of or a, any of that. Those it's kind of a safety blanket for me. So I say let, let's move on to the college football games last weekend. I actually had the privilege of sitting in the Superbook in the VIP section and watching a gazillion screens, something I've never done before in my life. And so I actually watched a ton of college football while being pretty hungover um, <laughs> on a nice couch. When you um, were actually supposed to come visit me. I, well, you know, you, you, you went for that sort of last ditch, but I had, a, I had a dinner party at my girlfriend's in Boston on Sunday, so I had to be back for that. Right. So we forget Penn Rufus State, is in love now. I know we normally follow his Rufus love life around love. the around the oh my god, you're admitting it. That's crazy. Shit. It's on the record. <laughs> yeah. By the way, not to not oh well, we'll get to this when we get to this. So anyway, so you had the pleasure of watching college football in the Superbook and it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of games. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I normally only have one TV screen. I'm not one of these people that has sort of the trading desk set up with like a gazillion screens. Um, I'm probably too ADD for that normally. But, it, it, you know, it's not something I'd want to do every Saturday, but it, it was a lot of fun, actually, especially since I had a little cash to lie on. But it's funny. There were you... some good games. Like, I, I think, you know, Penn State, Ohio State was a phenomenal game to watch. It was a great game, but like that kind of stuff drives me crazy, right? Like Penn State was dominating that game. And then that high leverage turnover. I mean, and I know like we don't necessarily believe in momentum on this podcast, but I really feel like that was a big momentum turner, which just changed the complexion of that game. And as people, two people that hold futures bets on Penn State, that was a tough pill to swallow hell did you burn yours i didn't burn mine <laughs> it's hard to it burn <laughs> what's that you're keeping it around yeah of course well i mean why would a I burn small it? miracle for them to make it to the big 10 championship game hmm. lots of convoluted okay. well, so if i have some sort of um reason to light a fire if i need kindling i'll burn them kindling kindling okay. Kindling. So, you know, you, you do say that Penn State looked like they dominated that game. And, and I kind of agreed from my eyes in the first half, for sure. And it seemed like one of those games where it was like Penn State had to actually put the game away then because you knew that Ohio State would somehow come back. But Ohio State in the second half moved the ball very well and very consistently. And in the game stats, they actually 
did much better. Their uh, their play success was uh, was forty percent relative to Penn State's of only twenty eight percent. So they were able to move the ball a lot more consistently, which generally is a better predictor of future success. Hmm. So yeah. you're just you're saying that like you they had the better game grade. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. What did you think? So I, I know I feel like there's kind of a consensus that the James Franklin's call on fourth and five to some sort of the quarterback option run pitch to the running back. I don't even know what you call that zone read um, was a was an awful call. What do you think? Was was this was this the, the equivalent of Pete Carroll throwing the ball uh, in the Super Bowl first and goal? Or was this something, you know? Was this actually a really bad call? Well, you don't think the Pete Carroll call was a bad call? Is no, I think it was saying? a great call. It just didn't work. Interesting. Um, I mean, I think that... Well, so in a zone read situation, like the quarterback is literally reading it and deciding what to do. That's why it's called the zone read, right? Mm-hmm. So to say that he is not giving McSorley the opportunity to win the game is 100% completely incorrect, right? That's fair. And McSorley had 170 rushing yards, so McSorley had a chance to win the game with what he had been doing best. Right. So basically, the main issue was that McSorley read the play incorrectly. Was right? it? So he. Well, well I think, I think the main you, issue is Ohio you, State played the play perfectly, and there was nothing... I think... I mean... McSorley, if he had kept it, he he was going to get a loss of yardage as well. Okay, so maybe it's just better execution. Maybe it's just better execution. I mean, I mean, it's. I don't listen. I would have liked to have seen him drop back, roll out, have some sort of an opportunity to throw the ball. But a zone read, theoretically, there is an option. There was an option to pass at that point, right? That was that a zone read with no pass option i I don't think the play had a pass option no yeah so i would probably agree that that's a bad decision i would like for that to be have been some sort of rpo or something like that that would have given him an option to pass the ball but it was the ballsy option it's the option that you know if it doesn't work you get questioned but so so to me i don't know if it was i don't know if it's the why do you think it was the ballsy option who runs the ball in fourth and five you're just saying it was it was the, unconventional from a game theory standpoint. It was unconventional. Yes. And if it doesn't work, you know, you're opening yourself up to criticism. Well, you're if kind of, works, you're, you're kind genius. of like, you're kind of conflating two things, right? I like, am just because someone makes a ballsy decision doesn't necessarily make it a good decision. No, that you're right. You're right. But I'm saying he definitely opened him. It, it was not the risk averse like decision to make. Um, no, I know it was definitely wasn't the risk averse. I don't think, I don't think I've never heard people say it was a risk averse. They just said it was a bad decision. Right. And you know, I mean, I I, honestly think, think, forget all of this, right. The bad decision was when he punted on the previous drive on the previous drive situation again. It was like fourth and pretty short and I'm not going to type, but I'm going to look this up on my phone. So as not to make a lot of noise. But it was a terrible decision. And I tweeted out at that point. I'm like, wait, what the A punt? And someone was like, you obviously don't watch a lot of Big Ten football because that's what they do. 
in Big Ten <laughs> games. So I'm looking this up. Okay. Plays. I'm on the Sports Action app, which we'll cover later in terms of our scrutiny of the app. Okay, wait, so... Wait, wait, wait. It's called the Action Network app. I, you've been telling me this. But yeah, can whatever. we still call it the Sports Action app? Are we grandfathered into that? It's the Action Network app. All right, so their play-by-play is a little bit incomprehensible. <laughs> so, You're making a great endorsement for them. No, I will, I've given them shit about the data feeds all the time, and the data feeds aren't their fault. The data feeds are Sport Radar. But basically, here's what oh, happened. Sport Radar. Woof. So with five minutes left to go, they face third and five at the Oklahoma, sorry, the Ohio State 37. Okay. Yep. McSorley ran for no gain. So they had fourth and five at the 37. Actually, it looks like McSorley threw an incomplete pass, regardless of what happened. They didn't get a gain. So it was fourth and five, right? And they ended up taking a delay of game and punted. Funny. Oh, I remember this. And, and oh, because I was I was sitting in the sports book with Aaron Kessler, who runs the Golden Nugget, who had apparently had a very I'd had a very good sports betting day. He'd had a very bad sports betting day. So I was trying not to like be too happy. Um, but he, I, we were both talking about how bad a decision was. And I asked him after the punt. The punt went to the four yard line. And I was like, knowing that the punt was down at the four yard line was a good decision. And we both agreed that, yes, if you knew that the punt could be down at the four-yard line, it was a good decision. Would you? Yeah, but you remember what happened on the next play, right? Yeah, yeah, a gazillion-yard gain. No, the 40-yard line. 35-yard gain to the 39-yard line, and then all of a sudden that wonderful punt was nullified. Right. I mean, obviously, Um, it was. I I think everybody agrees it was a bad decision, yes. Everybody. That, that I think, was a much worse decision. And it wasn't even talked about at the time. It doesn't doesn't make any sense that possession that ability to put more points on the board when an extra score is and you know like they can't lose right a field goal they can't lose yeah on the they can't lose on one score is my point not that they can't lose obviously they could still lose so i think that was a way worse decision but let's move on from this because we're not um this is ad nauseum so this is three games strength is not breaking down film we're not bringing up film, but we're breaking down like the the decisions that teams make in games, which are which are very bad. I mean, James Franklin is is undeniably a great coach, he but is? that decision itself, I think so. You don't think I don't, so? I don't know. I, I don't think I'm qualified to to make that assessment. I mean, his his what he's done at Penn State over the last few years has certainly been pretty solid. Okay. What he did previously at Vanderbilt was was very good. So I would say he's actually a good coach. Okay. He might not be a great game manager or a great game decision maker, but unfortunately that's a lot of coaches. Hmm. Okay. So Michigan Northwestern, what say you about that, Rufus? What is the what? Michigan Northwestern. What, that, that was kind of the secondary game on at the time. Well, actually, it was the main game for, for – actually, that was earlier in the day. What am I talking about? Um, Michigan – so, honestly, I don't have a lot to say about this game. Michigan comes in number 20 in the game grades. Um, Northwestern Okay, so here, here's like my – So, basically, I don't think these either team played particularly well. 
So here's and it was my, kind of a typical Big Ten game. Here is my casual observer view is that Michigan, and if you think about a narrative, right, we go back to the narrative that Michigan outplayed Notre Dame in the first game of the season but lost. Since right. that time, Michigan has won every game, and their defense has largely looked pretty good, right? Where we think yeah. like maybe their defense is pretty good. So For sure. my impression is that Michigan is a better team than I believe them to be certainly early on in the season. And I, they, they seem like a team that um, has hit their stride. That would be the popular narrative that I would that I would preach. And you were saying to me that that that's kind of like meh because you no, don't no. believe that they. I think they have the number two defense in the in, in the country. I don't think that narrative is wrong at all. I think they're who they we thought they were at the beginning of the season. Generally, they're a top ten team. They're, I have number five right now. The number fourteen offense, number two defense. I mean, they who's they, the I number one they, defense? Bama, uh, Clemson. Whoa, yeah, foreshadow. Bama, Bama has the number one offense and the number three defense. So they're your number one team. Yes. I mean, okay, if, let's, if I do let's not have Bama as my number one team, am I even worth listening to? Let's move on from Michigan Northwestern. Okay. Clemson Syracuse. Clemson Syracuse. Yeah. It, it, it was sort of kind of fortuitous, our discussion about, uh, about um, Kelly but Bryant. We did, learn, we did learn why he transferred, right? Because of the rule. Yes, we did. The the if if you don't play four games, you can keep a year of eligibility, right? Yeah, which is a weird rule to me, but we don't need to get into that. Well, it's a fair rule for the for the player. I mean, it's a good rule. Why isn't that a good rule? I don't know. It's it's weird that you get to play a quarter of a season. Maybe you should be able to keep a quarter of season of eligibility. So, or you should lose a quarter of season of eligibility. So, some other year you have to sit out four games. Why not? All right, let's not get into the philosophics of this. So back to Clemson, Syracuse. Syracuse looked like they were going to knock Clemson out of contention for, and then Clemson came racing back with their third string quarterback, arguably, right? Yeah, I think we could call it a trot. They came trotting back. So here's the question for you. Does the that game make you more bullish on Clemson or more bearish on Clemson? Ugh. I mean, that game makes me more bearish on Clemson. I don't think there's any way you could argue it makes you more bullish on Clemson. I guess the only way you could argue that is it is is you say, okay, well, their new backup quarterback still is capable of putting together a few drives, making a big play when he needs to. But well, and they, they can, they can well, but they, it's a concussion, right? Yeah, so he'll come back. But at the same time, Clemson always seems to struggle beating some of these lesser opponents that they should beat in ACC play. They lost to Syracuse last year, I think it was, and uh, you, you get the feeling they're going to slip up in one of these games, you know, coming down the stretch against someone they should totally beat and blow out. But then they'll just win the ACC and they'll still go. That's just well, what they do. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know about a one-loss ACC champion making the the playoff like this year. Would you take a one-loss Clemson over a one-loss Notre Dame if you're the committee? I guess it depends who Notre Dame's losses to. Okay. I mean, obviously, having, not having a conference championship hurts Notre Dame if they have a loss. And it, it depends on who Clemson's loss is. I mean, they've had now, a pretty right? tough schedule. That's, a, that's actually a good segue. So what, what, what do you, how do you feel about Notre Dame 
after that Stanford game. Obviously, you're you've you haven't been very big on Stanford throughout the year. Um, no. But what do you think about that win? That was a good win. Yeah, it was, and they, they kind of move up into our. They, I guess, there's a clear top six now in college football in terms of playoff chances that sort of stand above the pack. And Kate and I wrote an article this week for the Washington Post where we talk about that, but we also talk about the fact that there's a four. You know, it seems like these top six, and that's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Notre Dame. It seems like these top six are sort of like it. It just feels like all four playoff teams are going to come from there. Like, who else is going to make it um but there's a 40 percent chance there's only a, sorry there's a 60 percent chance that one of the playoff teams comes from outside that group and that being most likely washington uh who has a 19 percent chance michigan at 13 percent lsu seven penn state six and west virginia six miami's also six too what about kentucky uh two percent two and a half so you're yeah, saying so, there's a chance. But Notre Dame, sorry, getting back to the topic, Notre Dame has moved up. They're a difficult team to forecast, though, just because, uh, and not not forecasting how they do the rest of the year, but forecasting how the committee, um, how the we'll committee. will deal with them. Exactly. Because yeah, they, do not, they don't have comps. They are a Power 5 team, but not in a Power 5 conference. They're Power 5. They don't have comps. So you have a small right? sample size to actually see what they how the committee would treat them. Exactly. We know how, like, we have an idea of how they cr- treat a conference championship based on, yeah, their or like a team players. from the Big Twelve or blah blah blah. Yeah, I right, get it. Right. Like, but they're not. They're not a non-power five team, even though they're not in a power five conference. They're not treated like a boy. Right. They're just too much thing. of an outlier. Right. So, so basically, what we've done, what I've done with the Massey Peabody model, is basically given them credit. So, if isn't let's it, say, isn't it Peabody? Sorry. The the Peabody. Do you need a Peabody? Um, the Peabody model with Massey as an associate. <laughs> um, what we do is we look at, like, if, for example, if Notre Dame has one win, we look at how often teams that finish um, regular season and conference championship with one win in a Power Five conference end up, or sorry, actually, it's how often teams with one loss in a Power Five conference end up winning that conference championship. And so we sort of allocate credit. So it ends up being about 50% credit for a conference championship. So that's kind of our way of doing that. But rather than just giving them saying half of a conference title, we kind of randomly sample. So we say half the time they get it, half the time they don't to sort of add in this sort of uh, add in some noise in the selection process, because it's, I I think one of the most important things about this is we don't know exactly what the committee is going to do. And so we have to kind of model that in. I hear you. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's move on. You want to talk about college football futures. We kind of just started doing that. Yeah. So let's move on. So you're talking about Seth Byrne, our friend. Yeah, I I have a, I have a bet with him. We have a bet. Oh, by the way, did you remember that our bet was about Ryan Fitzpatrick winning the MVP? I gave you 200 to one. Hey, it's not dead yet, but, (laughs) but I'll, I'll, James is starting. James is starting. So would you would you let me would I'll let you buy out for nine dollars and fifty cents? How much do we bet? Ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's the thing though. Ryan Fitzpatrick has a history of pl- backing up quarterbacks that get injured. You okay. know, some people might say it's a coincidence. You know, uh, he may know the. You think the, it's a skill? James's personal chef. I, you know. I'm just asking questions. 
Let's move on to Seth Burns. Yes. So I have a bet. I we bet one thousand dollars. He took Alabama. I took the field for the national title game. Now the market is. I think he said you could bet against Alabama at plus one forty or plus one thirty. So the market thinks Alabama is a sizable favorite to win the playoff. The Massey Peabody model only has, or sorry, Peabody only has Alabama at thirty one point one three percent. So substantially lower. So are and you we, betting any of the the no on Alabama? Um, if there was a good market to bet it, I would. I actually did bet the no that I guess I think there was a there's like four different teams and then the field at South Point last weekend when I was in Vegas and I took the field at like plus two ninety. So I do have something there. And I took Oklahoma at twenty five to one and Georgia at seven to one. So I do have some exposure there, but um but no, I don't have any the plus one forty, but now I have one thousand dollars that could go to charity. So that's at a sub at a price. I, I did not line shop apparently. I could have gotten plus one thirty and I took plus one hundred. Okay, back to this. So why do you think that's value? Why do you think Massey Peabody is giving you value over what the market says? So I think that there's a lot of uncertainty still. We we have Alabama as the number one team in the country by a pretty wide margin, five points. You know, I, I'm not saying that. So basically, you, know, you believe the ma- you believe the market is underpricing uncertainty. I do believe that, and I think the market tends to do that, and they're doing it in the NFL as well. I'm not saying that I wouldn't book bets. Based why do you on think that Seth Byrne is? Why do you think Seth Byrne, who's very smart, yes, is underpricing uncertainty, or do you think he's just going off what the market does? Well, he says that he makes Alabama. I think it was 51, percent so he makes them lower than the market too, and he says he fe- that feels low, and then he comes back and means like. You know, when he said there was plus 130, I was like, ah, so we both would like the field. Yay, go Georgia. And he said, you know, nine po- I would bet 9.9% of my bankroll. You would bet 47% of your bankroll. Like, welcome to Full Kelly. And then I'm like, why would anybody ever bet Full Kelly? And I think I made a valid so point. He was, giving said, you, he was giving you shit on Twitter. Right, and then he was you, just guys just did, you guys just pulled out your dicks and measured them against each other. No, we actually had a re- legitimately rational conversation, I think about like because i like a, about um models and where they can be wrong at the extremes and the value of being different from the market and things like that and and you know i i know that 31 percent may not be the exact right number i think it's probably somewhere between my number and the market number uh, but luckily for me i'm not in unlike someone making risk assessments on wall street um if if i misprice an outlier i don't lose my entire fortune because i'm I'm not going to be betting 50% of my bankroll. I'm not going to be betting full Kelly um, on this. And so I, I know that actually, and, and Aaron Kessler, who I mentioned earlier, um, who is the director of the sports book at the Golden Nugget, he's he thinks that, you know, because I've known him for... By the way, a minute ago, he ran the Golden Nugget. So I thought maybe he was the GM of the Golden Nugget. <laughs> well, he got downgraded in the last five minutes after the Cubs lost. But he uh, he... I've known him for like for a decade basically and and he thinks that my models tend to misprice some of the outliers and I and you know I don't know I think there's a very good chance he's right on that because um but I I think that because most most things do not involve these crazy outliers I it, it tends to it tends to work out for me but this might be one of those situations where Alabama is just this team that breaks the curve yeah okay Let's move on. Let's do picks. We've just okay. kind of went through 
college ad nauseum. Uh, last week, I was three and two. I had Miami minus 18 over UNC. Winner, Army plus seven and a half at Buffalo. Winner, Temple plus 13 and a half at BC. Winner, and then Kansas plus 17, which we both had over Oklahoma State, did. which was the loser. And South Carolina plus one and a half at Kentucky, which was the loser. You had Penn State plus three and a half over Ohio State, which I fundamentally still. Oh, okay. Well, let's not talk about <laughs> the other ones then. You had yeah. Auburn minus 26, which was the loser. You had Baylor plus 23 and a half, which was the loser. And you had Cal plus two and a half, which was like a very, like Cal got beat pretty badly on the school. What did your game grade say about that game? Um, let's see. Let's, I got to find where they are. Um, Cal and Oregon. Oregon. Um, <laughs> Oregon. Oregon ranked 18th at a plus 19. Cal, they're pretty far down, it looks like. I'm going to be the one to type now. Cal ranked 72nd. So, so Cal, on ga- in terms of game grades, was so a well a well deserved worse so a well just, deserved ass whooping yeah actually it should have been worse apparently yeah okay although by the way that that um that kansas game against oklahoma state i thought we were going to win that game and then because i was watching you know I kansas know. yeah that would have been kansas a big winner for our for our tautalicious record it would because it was a two unit play since we both had it for one unit Mm-hmm. Two stars, two stars, two stars, two stars. Okay, let's yeah. move on to our picks this week. Okay, I have the Thursday night game traditionally, which I do because I love you guys and I want you to have a, a game on Thursday night. Is it Thursday night or Friday night? This is one of those primetime games for sure. But I'm gonna take Georgia State plus the 15 over Troy. There's a lot of like stink on Georgia State for how bad they've been the last few years, but they're definitely better this year. And I just, oh, I just like getting all those points. And it is a Thursday night game, so tomorrow night. You mean tonight? Because the podcast will be released on Thursday. True that. True that. Okay. I'm trying to get it released earlier. I'm talking to the editor to try to see if we can get it released earlier. Nice, nice. So my first pick, I'm going to take Ohio State laying 25 and a half, which I think is the line right now. It's actually down to 25. Oh, sweet. 25. Half a point of value that probably doesn't matter, but it's still value. Uh, Ohio State minus 25 against Indiana. As I said before, Ohio State um, did play substantially better than Penn State according to the the game grades and the predicted model. And they were on the road as well. So it, it is one of those games that I feel like the pundits will say is a trap game. And and in the two minutes of the RJ Bell podcast that I listened to, because um, someone told me to listen to the minute 50 to 55 and minute 50 was them picking like two of them picking Indiana against Ohio State. Um, you know, I would think citing that it's like a letdown. The narrative, the narrative the, the, the is narrative, that Indiana. Yes. The narrative is that Indiana um, plays Ohio State well. Yes, exactly. You, you listen to the same thing, huh? After the Penn State game, but Ohio State's off next week, so it's not like there's a look ahead spot here. So look ahead to right. buy. Ohio State minus twenty five is your pick, Jeff. Did you the period before recess? Did you try harder or less hard when you were in elementary school? I took a fewer hard, fewer hard, fewer uh, hard, fewer hard. BYU minus two over Utah State. Uh, BYU is a team that is generally just very hard to figure out. Um, I think people go back and forth on them, uh, but I I like them as a short favorite against Utah State. Yeah, they, <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing more than that. Nothing more than that. Nope. 
Um, I'm going to take Florida plus three against LSU. This is, I think, the is this the marquee matchup? No, the marquee matchup this weekend is Texas Oklahoma. But I, I think this is a big game. I think that um, you know that they, they beat Mississippi State thirteen to six. They have a very good defense. Um, they held Mississippi State adjusting for home field to three point two yards per play, which is pretty good. And in Mississippi State, we thought pretty highly of them going into the year. And, and after a few weeks, obviously, we don't think quite as highly of them. They dropped from number 14 to number 22 in the ratings. But but Florida played well enough to rise from 23 to 17. So I, I'm not really buying LSU yet. And so I, I make the game a pick. So I'm going to take LSU plus three. So there's, two things that are, there's two things that are happening there, right? One is that your more model is like slow to adjust to LSU. And then the other thing I think that's underlying here is that, I mean, Florida's got to have talent. You can't not recruit. Like, recruiting at Florida must be the easiest thing to do. Like, it's got to be easy. So they have to still have a ton of talent there. I hear you, but, like, going into the season, I had LSU number 14 and Florida at number 21. So I wouldn't say that it's just slow to react. Like, I, I had Florida moving up. Florida ended the year 42nd last year in Massey Peabody they moved to 21 LSU ended 10 and we started them at 14 this year so basically we expected Florida to show a a lot of improvement and LSU to kind of um to regress a little bit but what we've actually seen is that LSU has basically been about the same and Florida's actually improved all right well we're gonna take Florida plus the three yes I'm gonna take Michigan minus 17 it is now over Maryland um basically just that what the narrative I talked to earlier about, which is that Michigan is still potentially a bit underrated because of the early loss and sort of even after last week playing a really close game with Northwestern, people are probably not thinking that this is, you know, an elite team, but from the numbers that you described them with, they are certainly an elite team. So I think 17, they've shown an ability to, to win, by large margins, I'm going to take them here over Maryland. Okay, I'm going to take Kansas plus 29 at West Virginia. West Virginia, well, Kansas, I think is is pretty far removed from. We just bet on Kansas. Are. We just bet on Kansas every week. That's I don't think all. Kansas is do. that bad this year. Last year they were horrendous, and this year they're not. I mean, I have them ranked 75th, which isn't good, but it's one spot better <laughs> than Kansas State. I'm glad you think 75th isn't good. Hey, and they're balanced. 72nd on offense, 70th on defense. Um, they're playing against a West Virginia team, though, that while they have a really good offense, has struggled on defense, and I think 29 is quite a lot, especially given that West Virginia really hasn't played anybody yet. I think that they've looked good that at times. That back door is going to be wide, wide And they're open. undefeated. Right. I Yeah. Hopefully we won't need it. All right. I'm going to take Central Michigan plus 7.5 over Buffalo. Generally, we just don't like Buffalo. Like last week, I was on Army plus the seven and a half against Buffalo in a game that was never in doubt for the point spread. So I'm gonna take seven, Central game. Michigan plus seven and a half. Oh, can I can I point out something um, that I actually received a text message as a result of my discussion of Army? Um, it was from my my mother, who was one of our apparently fifteen listeners, and it apparently I misquoted my grandfather's military record slightly embarrassing even more embarrassing to bring up now um hold on i I just feel like i need to set the record straight i have to dig this up reality check rufus reality check granddad west point 39 
He died in 1991 when you were five, and game seats continued to get better after that. Question your combat statistics. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Yeah, it is. It's true. Misinformation is like a real thing in the in this day's internet. Basically, my mom called fake news on me. She basically pulled the Donald Trump on you. She did. So for my fourth pick, I'm going to take Baylor laying four and a half against Kansas State. They, um, you know, we had Baylor last week against Oklahoma in a game which I think Oklahoma ended up winning by 33 or something like that. But Baylor was, it was, I was watching. They were, the, you know, they actually had a chance to cover. But the funny thing is they were actually even with Oklahoma on play success. But Oklahoma just got these, just had a ton of big plays. Like every other drive was like two plays, 75 yards. I don't know if you're watching it all, Jeff. And I was not watching that game. I was taking care of my son. Ah, fatherhood. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, No one wants to know my excuses for not watching the (laughs) Baylor Oklahoma game when it's in the 30 range Uh, margin. But the, you know, I've harped on this in the past that, that big plays there's more luck involved in a 70 yard play than getting like three straight 20 yard plays. So I think that's I mean, probably... big plays have some similarity to turnovers, right? They're very highly, um, you know, correlated with winning, but they're not as predictive as you'd hope they'd be. The thing is, I don't think you can say that all big plays aren't predictive, but well, no, no, no. But, but I'm, what I'm saying but to in you general, is that just like all turnovers, right? Right. What I'm saying to you is that their impact on the outcome of the game is disproportionate to how predictive they are, meaning like they can cause inefficiencies or misperceptions if you have a lot of big plays. I completely agree. Okay. Uh, Why don't you move on to your last game? Because I had Florida plus three over LSU, which you also had. So that is a double two-star lock of the century play for us. Lock it in. Now you have your last game. Uh, This is not a huge edge, so I wouldn't take it anything worse than this, but I'm going to take Virginia Tech plus. You know what? This is six and a half, right? It moved to six and a half. Did it just move recently? Because it had been. I just looked looked at it before we went on air. It's six and a half. Oh, okay. Sweet. Yes. Um, Virginia Tech plus six and a half against Notre Dame. So this is real value. This is real value. It's a point better than I thought it was going to be. Yep. All right. Well, those are our plays. There. Those are our plays. Well, I mean, I think the brilliance is Virginia Tech is without Josh Jackson, right? Is still a formidable team, and Notre Dame is potentially overrated after their run so far. I mean, that's there's there's clear narratives to talk about there. True. Um, Okay, we're gonna go into some quick Twitter gambling commentary. Uh, the first is about the Action Network. So what's interesting to me about you criticizing that article, right? That article that John Ewing tweeted out about some DFS thing that someone didn't, is we we did not start our lives criticizing other people in this industry just because they're bad at content or bad at creating interesting content. Why we started criticizing other people was because they were spreading bad content, i.e. they were giving people misinformation that they were trying to make people believe that was indeed incorrect. And so what we always wanted to believe or what we always wanted to do, you and I, was to at least correct 
the mainstream media's messaging around sports betting. So right, I but did, like how I much did think pays out, right? I did think your like your criticism of that article, while fine from an opinion standpoint, was a little bit harsh from a standpoint of like not the same thing as like doing a, a bad parlay payout or of like talking about motivation in a way that like you believe is like like bible you know like this was just like what you could consider to be bad content and it's similar to like i'm sure people could like listen 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 <laughs> could listen to the stuff we say and think it's bad content also do you understand what i'm saying like there's a That's nuance a here so for, for, i think you make a fair point jeff but sorry to interrupt you but okay. we have to, you know, apparently Ted Knudsen says it's good when I interrupt. So uh, I, I think he that, said it was good when I interrupt, not when you interrupt. Uh, he likes you more. But I, I, I think that that's true. I think that the headline was just clickbaity. And it, it, and it, I think I was a little bit upset because I actually read the article because I was like, I wonder what so you fell for clickbait I and you were mad at yourself. Exactly. It was my own fault. I was like, what, what kind of mistake could he have made that cost him $49,000? Because I've always had this fear and occasional nightmares about some bug in my code that I don't discover. And I end up betting like, you know, you, you probably, thousands what, of you dollars. Probably, Rufus, I've probably done probably it without to, knowing. You probably need to quickly give the tweet if you have it there just to like tell people what it is. Oh, I basically tweeted and said, you know, I read this. I don't know what the the exact. Um, it was John Ewing tweeted out about a big mistake that cost this guy forty nine thousand dollars, and it was a DFS mistake where he had would have had the perfect lineup in, uh, except he chose like the wrong wide receivers. Okay, for the I found my tweet. I said I read this expecting to see didn't start a player, or he accidentally started Terrence Williams instead of Tyrell Williams, or there was a bug in his model. And it robo bet fifty thousand dollars before he could stop it. This is the equivalent of hitting seven legs of an eight leg parlay. Not news. I think right. that last point. I think the last part is actually a fair point, though, because a lot of people think that they come so close to something. Um, and you know, I think a parlay is a great example. Like sports books make most of their money on parlays, and you're gonna you're gonna hit seven legs of an eighteen parlay. I think it's seven times more often than you're gonna hit an eighteen parlay on its own, but. You're going to think you just missed. So that's a fair point. Time. That's a fair point. That's like the people don't understand the difference between bad odds and really bad odds. Yep. Like you think you were close, but the reality is you weren't really that close. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. But I don't know again, like if that's then, yeah, I think that's fair. But I think what we generally are struggling with is the, the sort of quality of content that can be written about sports betting and I think what's challenging about this is that, like, we personally struggle with it ourselves. Yeah. So maybe we shouldn't necessarily be the ones throwing rocks at glass houses. I think we should probably try to stick to criticizing people when they're wrong, when they're doing something that's just wrong or saying something that's wrong, because we want to make sports betters more educated. And that, that really goes back to the, the talk of the point of this podcast, right? We never tried to create a podcast that we thought would be the most entertaining podcast because the reality is the two of us could not be the most entertaining people in the world. There's funnier people. There's more eloquent people. But what we wanted to do was give sports bettors the best content to help them become better as sports bettors, to actually like give them 
the process by how we do things. And like now we're trying to give picks, right? And because we just think that generally people want that, but we're trying to give the best picks we can. And we're trying to do it in a way, not necessarily that's the most entertaining, but in the way that we fundamentally believe will help people become better sports betters because we don't have a dog in this race, right? We're not getting affiliate fees from sports books or anything like that. And we don't have sponsors that pay us. Like we have a sponsor that pays for nominal production cost of this podcast. And as many of you guys noted on Twitter, that is a very nominal amount of production value. So anyways, uh, that's, that's my point. I mean, I, I don't know if you have more to say on the point of this podcast, but that's kind of, that's kind of where I am. No, I, I think uh, I take your criticism there, Jeff. Yeah. That criticism actually came from Brian Mead. He was kind of upset. <laughs> was he? He was just like, he just doesn't, didn't understand why you cared that much about it. So I defended you to Brian uh, because essentially I, I agree that we are trying to be critical of content but then he sort of like reminded me that like it's very hard to do content and like there's people i'm sure that don't like our content and that doesn't mean it's like criticism worthy which clearly it is because we got a lot of criticism on it so (laughs) anyways um the other thing that was brought up this week about the action network was the integration that they're doing with five dimes and so beyond talking about sort of the legal liability of this and and whatnot which we're not going to delve into I think one thing that people have to understand, they assume everything is bad about what the Action Network is trying to do. But in the case of this, like I talked to Brian Mead about it, and they're not taking any money from Five Dimes. They're not getting any money from them. And, and maybe one day they will, but right now that's not the goal at all. His goal is to give people a simple way to track your picks because he knows that to actually like go into the sports action app or the action network app and enter manually enter all your picks is a pain in the ass. So they're trying to do a way that like you can basically, as they say, auto magically like have your picks inputted into the sports action app. So you can actually like just track them on the day of the game and for college football and probably college basketball, this is really valuable because it is nice to be able to open an app and just see the games that you have bets on and be able to track them during the course of the game without worrying about like entering each game. And that that's their goal. So, I mean, I think one day when they do take affiliate fees or if they do take affiliate fees, we can give them crap about it. But at this point, they're really trying to add value uh, for this, for the serious sports better. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any, any argument with what you said there. I think that there's, a ton in the way of legal liability that would make me not particularly interested in that kind of deal just because five dimes does book to us clients and they're, you know, but I'll leave that to the legal experts. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. I mean, and then private. Yeah. I, I don't know about private. <laughs> well, you just well, can't then, resist. Yeah. You can't resist saying things like yeah. it's just hard for you. It is. Remember it that is thing we talked about where less is better? Sometimes less is better. Do we talk about this? Yeah, you were like, I I, did, I was like, has anyone ever told you that less is better? And you're like, my whole life. <laughs> no, I thought I was talking over you and didn't hear. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, did you want to, did you want to um, talk about the piece of criticism that RJ said that, you know, we aren't providing as many narratives for picks or did we did we sort of answer that already? I think we delved into it a little bit. 
And, and I think it's a, actually a valid criticism because I think it makes it less entertaining. He's right about that, but that's not, we're not trying to be RJ Bell. We, we're not trying to have entertaining sounding voices and, you know, say lots of things that probably don't actually <laughs> have a lot to do with why you like a game or not. Um, well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, even when we do, even when I do try to like deconstruct a model or come up with narratives, you're like, okay, Jeff, prove to me how that's true. And so I think it is hard because if you're, if you have a really good model, like it is, you know, and, and I think we did talk about this, right. This idea that if you tell, if we tell someone what a model, what the model price is on a game and that price is right. I think that's very valuable to the actual player because the player knows like, okay, well, Rufus's model or Jeff's model doesn't see any value in this game. So maybe this isn't a game I should bet. Maybe I should move on to the next game. Maybe that doesn't create more action for a sports book if you are getting value, value from your sports book relationships, but it certainly gives value to the player, which I think is more important to us than sort of giving value or getting people to bet more money. No, that's true. But, but I do think there are things we can do to, to make it better. And, and a good example is my game grades I actually developed during my time with ESPN, or actually I shouldn't, I developed before I started ESPN because I thought it would be a good way to actually give myself some ammo to talk about the teams and how they did and, and to sort of compare apples to apples each week. And I think it worked so out, but, but does your, does are your game grades, point. do you know if your game grades are predictive? So what they are is they, use the predictive statistics the massey peabody statistics so and theoretically they should, it theoretically they should yeah be they're not exactly they're, you've yes. never actually back tested game grades like from a forward testing standpoint if that well, makes any be sense. no point because it's one game but right in a way, but if you created if you created a model out of your game grades it essentially would be the model that you use to go forward anyways Yes, in a way. It wouldn't end up being exactly the same because but but it'd be pretty close. Okay. Yes. Um broad let's move on to NFL. Broadly okay. speaking, NFL. What are the sort of themes going into this week in the NFL? Like one that I'm seeing or thinking about right now is that same thing we talked about where the Rams are like head and shoulders above every other team. I've heard on Bill Simmons' podcast. He was talking about him and Sal were talking about betting the Rams to go undefeated, all of this kind of stuff. Like their performance up till now, is it historically great or is it great? No, it's great. It's been four games. So but Full they did stop. have they did have ten yards per play last week offensively against what's very good. A pretty good defense. <laughs> yeah. I had the under. I was in looking that game. at the numbers and I was like, holy cow, that is that is outstanding. I had the under and I lost like at halftime. <laughs> I think before half. Has there been a bias to the overs this year? I haven't actually looked. I don't know. Um, I, I kind of normalize my stuff based on the market because I, I, you know, the thing is, rules change. For example, this year we have the the new roughing the passer, you know, crown of the right. helmet, whatever it is, and, and also all the yeah, also the the hitting stuff in the middle of the yeah, field. Yeah, exactly. So you know that's going to affect scoring. So I basically normalize mine to what the market is at. So I'm not betting on my interpretation of the rules and how they're going to impact scoring. I'm betting on the relative merits of the teams in terms of scoring. Yeah. So this is back to sort of like back to this issue of like what, what 
um, criticisms that we typically have of mainstream content providers is this concept of the gambler's fallacy. So do you know what the definition of the gambler's fallacy is? Not technically, but let me guess. It's believing that that a random event has an impact on a subsequent. It's basically it's basically seeing it's basically seeing independent event has an impact on another independent event. Is that no? It's not quite that. I mean, it's basically seeing generally it's seeing patterns in past data and thinking they're predictive when they there's no reason there for them to be predictive. So the classic case. Yeah, we we said it in different Thinking ways. The, the two in, right, okay. I, I guess that was a little ways. more general. Yeah. So it's the classic roulette wheel, right? Where if you've seen the last six spins and they've all been red, the seventh one has to be black, right? That's the classic gambler's fallacy. And I think one of the things that drives both of us crazy, and I'll just maybe speak for myself, is these notions of like, hey, underdogs are 22 and seven in the first whatever games of the season. So there's some pattern to be seen in that. Oh, in week three or in week two, underdogs were X. We have to remember that for next season in week two. And so those are the things I think that bother us because they make people believe that there's some value or some way to win when there really necess isn't necessarily any statistical reason to believe that stuff. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that in general, actually, if anything, you know, having that kind of bias, like will sort of, I think it'll sort of revert the other way a little bit. I mean, I think that there was that week, was it week three where all the, all these big underdogs won outright. And I ended up, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say that this is the reason, but I ended up, showing more value on favorites than I normally do last week. Right. And so after having all these val this value on underdogs. So I, so I do think there is this sort of overreaction by the public a little bit. And, and so, last week, if you looked at the lines, basically every line moved towards the underdog. Yeah. Did you notice that? And I tweeted out something about this. And I said, is, you know, I said, I, I asked, I sort of rhetorically asked if it was because of how well underdogs had done the past few weeks. I have no way of knowing exactly, but I thought it was an interesting coincidence. Yeah. I don't Hashtag know. content. Well, well, yeah. Um, what, what do you think about um, Kansas city? Um, did that game make you like, what, what did that game, what were the game grades for the Kansas city Denver game? Did that, did they improve in your model or not improve? I'm going to be honest, I haven't done the game grades for the NFL in like a few weeks just because this is, this is, I'm not publishing. This is terrible. This is <laughs> yeah. terrible. Um, but I, I can tell you for sure that, that Kansas City actually went down in my model a little bit. Right. And then, I think that they, they couldn't were have not done very that. good. They, right. I, I don't like, I do not think they were great in play success. I think they had some, some good plays and high leverage moments yeah. and some big plays. And that's why they won. Can you, did you ever do the game grades for the Super Bowl? Last year's no. Super Bowl. No, I can was you, just too can depressed you, afterwards. Can you can you do that at some point? I just want to know how the Patriots graded out because that game was a quintessential Eagles succeeding in super highly leveraged situations. From from my like casual eye of someone that was rooting for the Patriots and was watching that game, I was like, man, every single highly leveraged play they are getting. Yeah, I'll so, do that for next week. Speaking of, perfect. so. I have a question for you, Jeff. 
I was watching mm-hmm. the Tennessee Philadelphia game in overtime mm-hmm. um, because I had some Tennessee Titans futures bets and mm-hmm. anti Eagles. Mm-hmm. And the Titans had a decision on fourth and I want to say it was two or three at the opponent at the Eagles like 35 ish, 36. 30, it would have been like a 53, 54 yard field goal. Um, this is an overtime with about a minute and a half left. And they trotted out the kicker. Um, Eagles call a timeout. Then they decide to go for it. They end up converting and end up scoring um, to win the game. And win it. Yep. Take, yes, they win the game. But it, it was a very interesting decision. And it was, the announcers basically said, you know, they're playing for the win, blah, blah, blah. He's, you know, and, you know, a, a tie is a half win. It's it's not it's a half a win a half a loss it's not like so so it it's sort of I don't know it was a decision that I don't think a lot of models are really built to um, handle I certainly don't have a model built to handle whether that was the right decision or not to go for it um, so actually I think wait, from a, from a win from, sorry, a, wait, from they were down by three I think because the Eagles had they were they were down they were on their they first were down by sorry three. that changes the equation the Eagles had scored, so so basically if they kick that field goal. If they make it, the Eagles get the ball back with like a minute or so to go in overtime right. and a chance to win the game. And the best the Titans can do is tie. Versus if they miss it, they lose the game. Versus if they go for it and miss it, they also lose the game. I think it's hard from a win probability standpoint because that's such a unique situation that probably has been hard to model. You probably have to do it through like some sort of expected points model. And sort of back out the win probability from that. Right, because it's so, not win probability, lose probability. It's win probability, tie probability, lose probability. Yeah. So what did you think of um, the decision now? Would you did you think it was the right call or not? Intuitively. Yeah, I probably think so. Just because like that field goal with Ryan suck up is certainly not I mean it's probably relatively easy to think about, right? Like what's the probability of him making that field goal? What's the probability of you getting that fourth down? Both cases, like if you, if you believe that fourth down is anywhere close to the probability of that field goal, you should definitely go for that fourth down. Right. I I don't think they have any timeouts left though, either though. So even if you convert, let's say you get three yards, you're going to be, I mean, yeah, but, but in both cases, if you don't get it, you lose the game. Right. True. So well, this no, isn't no. like this isn't yes. like the classic field goal decision, right? This or the classic. So I, I think it's probably easier than we think that, and I think that was probably one hundred percent the right decision. What I'm saying though is, if you go for it and you get it, um, you still are pro- maybe kicking a long field goal because you don't have a ton of time. But left. it's going to be shorter. It's going to be shorter, sure. and sure. you won't be giving and you're giving the other team a lot less clock. time. Right. So and then your chance to get a tie or like in this case, the worst case is you lose. Right. And so you can lose in that time, in that case, three ways. And if you potentially. Right. Like make the time go down less, your opportunity to lose it on the third way goes down by a lot. Like if you give them a lot less time that that third outcome, which is a bad outcome, has gone down. Yeah. And your opportunity to win the game certainly goes up if you go for it. I think your opportunity not to lose the game certainly, like you kick a field goal there, the chance of you winning that game are very, very little. 
Well, your chances of winning the game are practically none, but your expect uh, what I care about is right. expected wins. So your expected wins is still, you know, you're not going to win, but you're also, well, I don't know what your odds of losing are. It's a very, well, it's what, a, what are the odds of Philadelphia let's, let's, getting food? Yeah. Let's move you on. This is a very interesting modeling thing, and I'm sure I, someone in our listenerhood has done this, but I would love to know. I want to know is. what Brian Burke's like fourth down calculator would say. I don't think his would work in this case. I'd be curious to see. If that would be my guess. Work. I like Brian a lot, but I don't think it would work. This is a very nuanced thing. True. That's sort of new to the. That's sort of new to the NFL. It is uh, new rule. Okay, let's move. Let's move on to our NFL picks. Okay, because it's just that time. So last week I went three one and one um, with Baltimore plus three over Pitt. Denver plus five and a half over KC or four and a half or whatever we decided we got it at. Either way, it's a winner. Mini plus seven at the Rams was a push. Dallas minus three over Detroit, which was a double loser for us. We both had that. And Cincy plus five over Atlanta, which was a winner. You had the Denver pick, uh, the Cincy pick, the Dallas pick, but you also had Seattle minus three and a half, which was a half point loser. New Orleans minus three and a half, which was a winner. We should go back and listen to the podcast and make sure I actually said minus three because I remember there was one that was between minus three and minus three and a half, and I think I no, said we, I was we, like, we we made you take three and a half. I, I know remember. exactly. We made you take three and a half. I actually, for my own bet, got a nice push out of it, but well, not nice, but at least nobody, something. nobody, nobody cares. Stopping a tout. It's stopping a tout. Okay. Okay. So my first play. Wait, and, wait, wait. In my last pick, New Orleans minus three and a half against the Giants won. I said that already. Oh, okay. I got when too, you were too busy. Like, I got distracted. You were too busy defending your honor. Hey, it's worth uh, defending. Your honor is. <laughs> what right. is your Come What do your numbers say about Seattle now? Is Seattle Seattle must has they have they gone down or? They are sixteenth ranked. I mean, like pretty average, a little above average actually. Plus one, they're they're kind of they're actually between Minnesota and Dallas. So Minnesota dropped a lot. Wow. Yeah. Okay. My first bet is Baltimore minus three at Cleveland. Um, narrative Mayfield makes them much better. Cleveland's got a lot of talent. Reality is Baltimore's played really well this season and. Cleveland is still not that great a team. So like the Ravens minus the three here. Nice. Uh, for my first pick, I'll also take the Ravens minus three at Cleveland. Why don't you I move to your that, second pick after that then? I wanted to say that, um, uh, you know, I I still think Tyrod would be better for the uh, for the Browns right now than would Baker Mayfield. And I have I asked actually someone I know in the Browns organization whether they thought that um, who was the better quarterback right now if they wanted to win right now? And they said, you know, they kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit, but they said probably Tyrod still. So Got it. So you have Hugh Jackson on speed dial? Exactly. Perfect. Uh, why don't you do your I, second pick? I want to say this, though. If I was the Browns, I still would be starting Mayfield just because for the future it makes more sense and they're not win now mode anyway. So, okay, my second pick. I'm going to take Carolina laying six and a half at the – Sorry, yeah, at home against the New York Giants. Carolina, love them. Carolina coming off the bye. Can't buy is that. worth what? Do, what do we say the buy is worth? About buy is worth about a point and a half. Point and a half. Point and a half. It's worth a lot. It's worth a lot. Interesting. 
Uh, nice. I'm going to kick Minnesota, even though they fell a lot in your rankings, plus three at Philly. Uh, Philly's offense has kind of been abysmal this year. I know a lot, no, like half of that was not with Carson Wentz. Um, but I still believe in Minnesota. I still think they'll be, they're an elite team. You know, I think that line's priced about accurately. And I, I agree that Philly has, uh, they've struggled with Wentz too. Rufus, not but good I'm, radio, not good radio to say the line's priced accurately. Well, I'm not saying good I don't. television either. I'm just kidding. Okay. Okay. You know, honestly, there's not a lot of value this week. I don't see, but I'm going to take for my third pick, I'm going to take Seattle plus seven against the Rams. This is a fade of the Rams hype. Plus, I've been on Seattle. I'm still high on Seattle. I actually make the, the line three with the Massey Peabody model. And the player the player level model makes it a 5.9. So it's still on the same side. It's so, a crazy... That's crazy to think about. The Rams being a seven-point favorite over Seattle. And Seattle, has, Seattle. A, and Seattle has a greater home field advantage than no, most it's, stadiums. No, it's crazy. Just but like, given, it's given not... The travel distances and the... They're, but they're, would you be would latitude. you be surprised if Seattle if would you be surprised if the Rams won by double digits? No, probably would you be not. Shocked. I'd be that's shocked a, if the Rams won by double digits the, or the that's, or the that's Seahawks. The, no, the Rams won by double digits. That's the problem no. with that's the problem with these models, right? Is like outliers, right? Are the Rams an outlier? Exactly like you said. Maybe the Rams are that good with like you know certainly a ten yards per play against a good defense in minnesota that's a crazy performance it is but it's been four games and teams adjust and just and i'm not saying that they haven't been that good i'm just saying that it's hard to keep these things up in the nfl if if yeah. they've done this for a full season well it's, it's just like thing, but it's, people it's, are pricing it's, it like it's people are pricing it like it's been a full season it's re- it's what actually regression to the mean means right it's yeah. like everyone is everyone's performance, whatever going forward is centered around the average. That's the nature of the average, right? And so, if someone is an outlier and you are trying to predict the future, you believe that outlier liar is going to go towards the average because that's what happens. It's like the whole oh. thing where if you are two tall parents and you have a kid, the average, the the likelihood that your child is shorter than you and closer to the average is is higher than if he's your height or taller. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, though, that how much you regress to the mean, it, it depends on, on how much randomness there is in a particular thing. So, like, coin flips or roulette wheels, it's going to regress 100%. But something like, you know, if if people think that everything in football is entirely skill and there's no luck and the ball always bounces in a systematic way, that you can predict, then you would you wouldn't regress at all to the mean. But right. that is the that's case. not true. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm going to take the Chargers minus five and a half over Oakland. Oakland is, I think, the second worst defense in the league from a yards per play standpoint, and the Chargers are getting a lot of flack um, for being like the sort of team that almost lost to the 49ers without Jimmy Garoppolo. I think this is the game they play well. They win this game by over a touchdown. I make it seven, so I I, uh, I lean your way as well. Uh, my fourth pick, I'm going to take Dallas, and that's plus 3.25. Can we, can we Asian handicap it? We can, but it won't matter. <laughs> plus Half plus three, half plus three and a half? 
Sure. Sure. Um, it won't matter. Now that I know what an Asian handicap is, I'm just pretty happy about it. You're going to be on this <laughs> Dallas bandwagon until the, the bitter end of the season, I feel like. It, it feels like there's a few teams that I'm on every week, and they're Dallas and Seattle, and I think just those two, right? Who you're else? On Was- you're on Washington a lot, too. Yeah. You've been on Washington a lot. One week. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm higher on Dallas than most people, although I'm as frustrated as anybody watching their play calling and, and how they just – you know, run it on first down every time and then, you know, pass it to the running back on third down. It's a suboptimal and uncreative play calling, but you know, I'm, I'm hoping that um, they play better and they managed to cost me a, I mean, they managed to win without covering uh, last week. So one by two, right? Yep. Uh, I got my over, but I did not get my side. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tennessee minus three and a half at Buffalo. Boof. Have you boofed? Have you boofed yet? Have I boofed? Do you not, I think you I not get that reference? I think I boofed the last few weeks. Do you know what boofing is? What's this, boofing, is a, Jeff? this is a Kavanaugh. This is a Kavanaugh reference. In I his uh, in his uh, yearbook, he said, "Have you boofed yet?" And boofing, and they asked him what boofing was during his hearing, and he said it was flatulence. And if you look it up on like Urban Dictionary or whatever on the internet, boofing is anal ingestion of alcohol. So you're <laughs> saying he lied? I don't know where he lied. Maybe he called it flatulence. I'm not. I'm not here to create any political uh, things, but I just I like beer. That's all. I like beer. Me too. Okay. Uh, your final. I'll pick go with my is... my my final pick, and this is the weakest of the bunch. But I'm going to take the Redskins plus six and a half at the Saints, and I've been a Saints backer all season, so it's a little bit odd that I that I have value in the Redskins. But they are coming off the bye, and I have been high on them um, as well. Yeah, I mean, Did it's you... actually yeah. like it's actually interesting because you when when something like this happens where I know a team that you're high on, you're going against them. It's always very interesting to me. Like I, I see this in college with you sometimes too, where I'm just like, huh, that's interesting. That's that's not what I would have expected. Um, I'm going to hey, go with as my last mic. pick. What's that? I said you came back to the mic. No, I've been like at the mic the whole time. I really have. I think can the I, sound is going to be much... Uh, I'm gonna, the sound is going to be much one. more pure this time. I've still, I've still, still heard some like coming and going, but a little bit. Okay, but it's you're, better. you're it's getting better. better. You're regressing I'm just to the gonna mean. Get, I'm going to get a loud. Regressing mic. to the so mean. The, so the mic just sits with me at all times. Um, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh minus three over Atlanta as my last one, and to me, this is just an example of somewhat of of of. Well, I'm interested. What does your model say? Because I would think from a prior standpoint, you'd like Pittsburgh. No, I mean I I make it minus two point seven, and then the player model only minus one point one after accounting for all the Atlanta injuries. But the player level model was very high on Atlanta early in the year. But right. those those cluster injuries, as they say, they're not good. And right. I don't have a way of I don't actually mo- like have a way of modeling the cluster injuries. I just know that you know player X is worth Y, and player next two is worth Y two, et cetera. All right. Well, 
Thanks, guys, for listening. That's the conclusion of our podcast. And thank you guys for all of the wonderful feedback you gave us on Twitter. And with that, we will talk to you guys next week. Say bye, Rufus. Bye. Bye.